The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the truth. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Hey, welcome to Formula Sports Talk. This we are live on Tuesday morning. We got Alex in the studio. Got a lot of things to talk about. Stuff that's... It ain't, it's not breaking news, but we'll break it right here <laughs> on the Kwame Sports Talk. We got a, a a real good friend, a, a guest in the studio, Rob Fredrickson. Uh, welcome to the show, Rob. Hey, Kwame. Glad to be here. Thanks hey, for having me. What were you doing on this side of town? I know you told me you would come in, but you said you was working. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm working now. Can you believe that? I got, I'm a 9 to 5 pencil pusher. No, you're not. Yeah, I swear. Are you I, for real? I, I'm working for the man. What? <laughs> <laughs> And me too. Yeah, but I haven't got a check yet. I hope. I, well, I hope I'm not going to be in any trouble being here. You know, but uh, hey, well, I, we, hey. we, we won't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we, we won't talk about it. But there's a lot of going on. Where are you in this area? Working in this area? Yeah, I, this I, is a business area right here. Well, you know, I work just down the street. I work for uh, CBS Outdoor. I'm selling. Uh, basically, I'm selling big signs on big sticks. You big know, signs it, on big. Are those those sticks that be on the corner? Those things? No, 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 no. These are the ones that are on the freeway, billboards, things oh. like that. So, uh, how much a billboard cost? I always want to know because I know they. I heard ten thousand dollars for one. I got a really good one for you, Kwame. We'll, <laughs> we'll put it up on the I ten. That's what you I'm know, talking it, about. It, you know, I'll, I'll make you a screaming deal. We'll talk about it after the show. <laughs> Okay. And I'm going to put a Kwame Lasseter billboard up. And I want to do I really want to do one for the foundation because we do a lot of the Kwame Lasseter uh, Foundation. That would be great. We can do it. I'm your man. All right. Then we're going to talk. I got to raise a little bit of money because I know that screaming <laughs> deal. I know that screaming deal is going to be tough. So, hey, hey, just when things are getting good for the Cardinals, let's get into the football real quick. Well, it's a lot of football, actually. Just when it was getting good for the Cardinals, I, I thought they paid too much for Carl, but considering the situation they had for the uh, quarterbacks last year, it was inconsistent. Uh, you had to do what you had to do. You had to make the fans feel like you was going all out to make this team better, and I think they did. I think Carl was a good pickup. Really, I did. He's a young guy. Uh, he can grow with the rest of those teams, the receivers. Uh, Breston was a situation I thought they should have kept, but you know when your contract is up, the contract is up. Uh, but then defensively, Adrian Wilson goes down with a uh, torn bicep tendon, uh, right. and that's going. He's going to be out for a while. And I believe Adrian's a tough guy. I really do. I think he wants to be out there, but that's a situation. Uh, I don't know if you ever had a tendon torn bicep. Yeah, I do. I, in fact, I do. I have a torn bicep right now to this day. Uh, and and as I understand it, Adrian's injury is is similar to the one that I had, in that he didn't tear both tendons. Okay. You know, bicep meaning two by. Right. There's there's two tendons there. If you if you tear one, uh, you're still able to use your arm. Uh, you know, in, in its full capacity. There may be some uh, mobility issues and, and strength issues initially, but over time, um, I you know speaking for myself, both arms are equally as strong it just aesthetically it might look a little odd right um i, I use the analogy it looks like a baseball in a sweat sock you know it's <laughs> it, 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 it all, it's all bo- 
balled up down towards your elbow, but then it's real skinny and narrow up towards the insertion in the shoulder. Um, you know, beyond that, I, I don't really foresee him missing any time. I, you know, he, he might miss a few games here in the preseason. Right. Because um, he makes a statement that he's going to come back on September 11th, first game. I, guess, I think it's against Carolina. Um, so he's coming back first game. I, I wanted to know if if he arm um, tackles anyone, is he going to feel that pain all over again? Not that it rips and tear again, but is he going to that pain all year long? Well, it, it's definitely going to be there for a while. Uh, I did mine during the season. Uh, geez, I think it was 2001, 2002 maybe, and I didn't miss any games because of it. Um, but you you know, Kwame, you know this as well. Is on game day, uh, the, the best pain-relieving drug there is is adrenaline. adrenaline yeah. and, and when you get that amped up, uh, you know, an injury like this, he might feel it uh, in an arm tackle, uh, but it's not going to, I don't think, affect him uh, strength-wise. It may initially, but uh, over time, by the, by the beginning of the season, I think he should be okay. Uh, but everyone, everyone's different. Everyone heals differently. Every every injury is different. His may be a little more severe than mine. I don't, although I don't know how. If you tear one, you tear one. Right. Uh, as long as he has that other one still intact, mm-hmm. the the inside smaller head of the bicep, that one's uh, from what I understand very difficult to tear. I think Cardinals have some of the best trainers in the business. I, I really do. Uh, those guys kept a lot of us on the field. Uh, they didn't sugar. I know in my situation, they didn't sugarcoat anything. They told me this is what it was, and it, it was decided on me if I wanted to get back out there. Um, but Adrian's a tough guy. Uh, what I would do with him, playing 10 years in National Football League at a high level, is, you know, I just keep him out of a lot of banging situations where I know you'll be there. Make sure you get your fit. Definitely mental uh, practices, but make sure you get your fits. Walk behind the number one guy, who's the new number one guy, uh, walk behind him, make sure everything's good with you so when you go on the field, you can play full speed because you will be my starting strong safety, Pro Bowl starting strong safety. Yeah, and, and he's a guy that has nothing to prove. I mean, I mean Adrian right. Wilson, he's, he's a perennial Pro Bowl player. He's one of the best safeties in the league. You and I have both played with him. We know his pain tolerance and his threshold. He's going to be there when it counts. Right. Uh, I, I don't blame him for maybe uh, you know not playing during the preseason. I don't, I don't think he needs to prove anything, although you do like to get some reps under your belt before you you know you're you're going live and and when it matters uh opening day but uh you know it, i think they'll they'll do a good job of managing his reps yeah in you preseason. know when i went to san diego uh you know a place that i didn't want to go i wanted to stay the Cardinals, but when i went to san diego Ladanian thomas never practiced never not practiced but preseason games never played in them but he showed up during a regular season and he and you know his play speaks for itself so it can be done with a guy who's been in the league for a while absolutely and, and it, you know that, that reminds me of a story from my own personal uh, experience when I played with uh, Detroit I played with Barry Sanders and all through <laughs> the preseason uh, he didn't even practice I mean he, he, he <laughs> might he might have taken a couple handoffs and, and taken five steps to, at a half jog and that was it and it drove Bo- it drove Bobby Ross nuts because he wanted everything to be regimented and you got to hit that hole and, and Barry was was just like man, just give me the ball. Yeah, and, hit uh, what hole? He said, "I don't even know where I'm going." How can you, how, <laughs> but I tell you one thing: after practices, he he was running gassers till till the cows came home. I yeah. mean, he's a guy that he was ready uh, when he needed to be, and that's the thing. You know, these great athletes. Um, they prepare and and they're as long as they're ready when it matters. Um, I, I know it drives coaches nuts. It they does. they want them to be there and and doing everything like everyone else, but. Sometimes they tick to a different watch. Some guys, are, yeah, exactly. Some guys are just different. Some guys just, if they are mentally ready, and then you say Barry, guys like Barry Sanders, 
after practice, he get his conditioning in. So it's not like he's missing anything. But, yeah, I've never seen Barry Sanders hit a hole. I've seen him head towards the hole. Yeah. <laughs> but then everything else was a different ball game. Yeah. That, that, which is crazy. So, Rob, you, you was with the uh, Raiders, Oakland. Ooh, we. Yeah. yeah, I was I, I was drafted by the L.A. Raiders. Yeah, I was going to say they point. were in L.A. when you came out. They were in L.A., and then uh, we had some stadium issues uh, down there with the Coliseum, and, and so we, we moved up to Oakland uh, midway through my, my contract with the Raiders, and, and, you know, that was a little bit of an adjustment. We uh, th- There was a transition year where we were essentially playing 16 road games because we were still living down in right. L.A. and practicing, but yet uh, 16 road games. But, uh, you know, great times with the Raiders, and it'll be interesting to uh, kind of see that that first preseason game this week you know two of my former employers see him going oh, at it right that first play and you going to the game and you're doing the uh, pregame broadcasting for the I, I, I'm going to be doing the broadcasting for the Cardinals okay. I'll do a pregame show and a halftime and postgame show okay. so uh, yeah it, I mean it's exciting it's football again you know yeah I'll I tell you I'll be up there a couple of those times but I'll be doing the uh, the halftime autograph session but I'm coming up there because the food is so good <laughs> when I, and I used to do the pregame the halftime show stuff but I thought I went up there to eat, and so I was. It was the food was so good. I don't even eat, like ice cream. Well, I, I can't eat ice cream. I'm lactose intolerant. Uh, if you needed that information, but <laughs> I had ice cream every time I was there. When you're a quote unquote member of the media, you go around to all these different stadiums and all these different arenas. Yeah. You, you you kind of judge them based on uh, the food, the that halftime food, yeah. and so you know you kind of on your on your calendar you you look at what games and where they're at, and you kind of decide uh, maybe I won't make that trip. Maybe no, you said it because if you go to, if you go to uh, St. Louis, you say okay, I might get some good food in St. Louis, or oh, I'm going to New York, I may get some good food. But then you look at this, like Rob said, you look at the schedule. I'm like, mm, I let uh. Who was it? Who was doing the show with us? Oh, um, the old special teams coach, <laughs> Hank, <laughs> Hank. Hank Coolman, yeah. I let Hank go to that one right there. <laughs> but you know, it is fun times, Rob. How's the, how are your uh, Michigan State guys going to do this year? Well, the Big Ten is certainly going to be interesting this year. I think uh, In Nebraska. I, I like the way that mm-hmm. they've split up the divisions, and now they're going to have a true uh, conference championship as opposed to last year, where Michigan State and Ohio State and uh, Wisconsin kind of all shared it, and right. then they, they, they come down to well, who was the conference champion last? And so I, I never liked that. I like the fact that they're going to have uh, six teams in each division. They're going to have a, a true champion. Yeah. So uh, I, it should be interesting and. and and I love having Nebraska in there. It's it, it's really going to uh, pull, I think, a lot of recruits that the Big Ten never tapped into before. It's going to pull them into the Big Ten. Absolutely, because Nebraska can recruit. These guys, these guys uh, they did have a down year a couple of years ago, but that Nebraska, you can still get those guys there. Uh, and I think it. I had a problem with the Big Ten for that same reason you mentioned was the the uh, no nas- no championship uh, Big Ten champion because Ohio State will win it and then they will sit there and wait for a month. While everybody else was banging, like the SEC, and these guys are getting banged up, and Ohio State has guys who probably was injured in the last two weeks of the season but had plenty of time to heal up. Uh, and these guys come into a bowl game that, that matters, um, and they fresh and healthy. I always thought that was the wrong way to do it. Right, and, and also you, you had an odd number of teams. You had 11 teams. So there were some years where you didn't play certain opponents. Right. And depending on the luck of the draw, you you know, an Ohio State might not uh, play a Wisconsin in a given year, and, and you know, or a team that... A uh, team that matters. A team that matters, and so their path maybe to that Big Ten championship might be a little easier. Right. 
Oh, that's that's too bad. Um, but here's my Big Ten champion this year, Michigan State. Oh, all right. And but because of Mark D'Antonio, he's a, <laughs> I don't know. But these guys, <laughs> I remember two years ago we were watching Michigan State play, and these guys, uh, they they were always in games. They lost games. They lost about four games, mm-hmm. four or five games in the final second or in the final play of the year. So they could have easily been Big Ten champions then. At that point, but they they've gotten over the hump. I thought they had a pretty good year last year. Uh, they went on a lot of runs, and the coach had a heart attack after the Notre Dame game. But I think this team right here, the Michigan State team, seriously, uh, even with the uh, coach that I know, I think they are primed up to be the champs there. I, th- I think in terms of talent, uh, they're right up there with the other teams, the, the other leaders in the Big Ten. The, you know, the Ohio States and the and the perennial, you know, the Michigans and the, and the Wisconsins and Iowas. But um, you know, it, the one thing that D'Antonio has brought to that program, to Michigan State, is is a toughness, an attitude, a never die, a never quit attitude. That uh, the Michigan State, frankly, and and it, it pains me to say this as a Spartan, but they they never used to have that. He used to, if the going got tough, sometimes. It, Michigan State would just kind of, you know, fall off the yeah. cliff, and and uh, to see them fight the way they do now is is a, a really encouraging sign to me. And that's the growth of a football team because uh, when you're falling off, I, I know at the with the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> we were always falling off, but then we get over that hump and we start we could thought we could win uh, every game in the final seconds. I know the year before we went to the playoffs in '98, we lost a lot of games, probably by seven points or less. Seven points or less, and then that next year we start winning those games by seven points or more. So, it, you know, when you get that mental set, you you can able you can also overcome all that th- all those things to win in the final minutes, win in the final seconds, or that final play. So, Michigan State, Wisconsin, probably is going to be that. It's going to come down to those two teams, in my opinion. Mark it down. Mar- I'm marking it down. <laughs> I'm marking it down. We're going to get into something else. we got about two minutes, but I do want to talk about this. I know, Alex, you want to mention this. I think we disagree on this. Rob, I don't know how you feel, but Steve Williams, a caddy, uh, used to caddy for Tiger Woods. Uh, now he's with Adam Scott. I think the story became more of a Steve Williams story with the subtitles of um, Tiger Woods here and there. And then he said one thing that bothered me. He said this is most satisfying win. win. So I had to listen to the words again, most satisfying wins. And maybe it is. He didn't say it was his best win or the greatest win, but he said his most satisfying win uh, since he's been a caddy. This guy's credit uh, caddy for Greg Norman. Mm-hmm. Who else? Uh, Raymond Floyd. Raymond Floyd. He's caddy for some guys, uh, and he's won. He's won with Tiger 14 majors. I mean, 13 or 14 majors. Yeah, 13 to 14 he was there. So I, I, what confused me for the most part was his most satisfying win, but I had to look at the verbiage. I had to look at the, listen to the words again. Um, but I thought the wrong thing about it at the end of the day uh, of uh, Adam Scott's win was the story's most more of Stevie Williams. Yeah. Uh, and I get you guys' opinion on that, Alex. I'll start with you. Yeah, he with, said, a, with a minute left, and we'll get back into it coming out of the break. He said um, in a 90-second interview, he said, I or me 27 times. <laughs> a caddy. Who, uh, who most people that aren't golf fans don't know. So it, it's just interesting that Adam Scott was, was, in the, was in the background of this thing. It was a great win for him. You know, going into a major, he, he held off a, a great a great field. They were, they were nipping at his toes the whole, the whole uh, tournament. And Stevie Williams wanted to take it on himself to, 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 to uh, you know, make Tiger look bad or, or, or do whatever. I mean, it just wasn't it wasn't fair to Adam Scott. Well, if your girlfriend breaks up with you <laughs> and you still one of the best couples in Hollywood, I mean, you feel a little salty about that, especially when you didn't know it was coming. That's what it seems like uh, a, a big tabloid story. I on me twenty seven times. 
Yeah. It's incredible. This, did this guy become bigger than the game? Yeah, he, he's inserted himself uh, into the story using the media to maybe uh, settle some scores, some personal vendettas or whatnot with Tiger Woods. Uh, maybe maybe he's feeling bad uh, with the way he's been portrayed the last couple years throughout this, this whole scandal that Tiger had. Um, and I think he's using the media... Uh, to settle some scores, and that's wrong because look, uh, you know, I, I, I relate it to NASCAR. Maybe you know uh, the tire changer for Jeff Gordon. He's never being interviewed. He, he's never he's never talking about his victories and his you know victories. He's although he's an integral part of the performance. Right. You can't win a, a NASCAR without a tire changer. Uh, it's not about him. It's about right. Jeff Gordon. It's about the guy actually doing the racing. Guy actually making the putts. All right. Well, we will get back into it. That's a great yeah, analogy. Uh, we're gonna get we back definitely got to get back into the yeah. caddy. I want to know if he went too far as a caddy. Is he bigger than the game now? He does have a lot of wins with. A golfer, not himself. Kwame Lasso Sports Talk. We'll be back in about two minutes. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tired of the same mundane talk radio show, boring opinions, and people not knowing or telling the truth? Tune into The Sports Life with Josh and Otis. This show is brought to you by two men who know the good, the bad, and the ugly of professional sports. Josh and Otis's experience and careers in the NFL give them access to the inside information and a reason to have a candid opinion. Tune into the Voice America Sports Channel Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific. The Sports Life with Josh and Otis. It's more than sports talk. It's a way of life. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Hey, welcome back to the show, Mo. Great job on the music, yeah. man. You, you're doing it today, I think, because I got a guest, a special guest in, special to me, Rod <laughs> Frederick. He's a good guy, man, but uh, appreciate the music, Mo. Hey, we were talking about Stevie Williams, the caddy, the uh, former caddy of Tiger Woods, now with Adam Scott. Um, let me get you guys' opinion. I, Alex, I will start with you about did he go too far? I know. Let me just get your opinion. Did he go too far as a caddy? In that in that interview, yes, absolutely. Now, he's gotten a lot of flack for even opening his mouth in general. People are saying, oh, he didn't do anything for Tiger. You know, Tiger, he didn't, hit, he didn't make putts for Tiger. He didn't drive balls for Tiger. He didn't do anything. I think that's wrong. I think that, especially in the beginning, he helped Tiger just mold into this 
just robotic specimen uh, golfer who just who just took over the game with full force and and nobody could stop him. I mean, I saw him as kind of like Michael Jordan's uh, Phil Jackson or you know Derek Jeter's Joe Torre. Yeah, neither of those guys performed for the athletes. That, that doesn't mean they weren't instrumental in making them who they are. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I, th- I think even uh, take it a step further in golf, uh, it is such a, a relationship uh, because you're with that person uh, the entire time you're out there on the course, the entire time you're out there on the range. Y- y- you have to be able to get along. You have to be able to uh, uh, lift up that golfer when he needs to be, to calm him down when he needs to be. Uh, it's a it's a difficult relationship, and, and to have it last as long as it did is rare, I think, in, in golfing. Uh, so, yeah, I agree that caddy is a very important part uh and and i don't know that tiger woods would have won as many majors without stevie williams on the bag yeah i'm sure he he would have won you know multiple numbers uh but to win 13 or 14 majors uh without stevie williams maybe not maybe he's maybe he only won 10 or 11 i say only uh it's still (laughs) a lot but i do think the caddy is an important part but yet with caddies i i've always i've always believed that they should be seen and not heard I agree with that, and I think the uh, maybe the golfer made that written rule um, because the golfer is the company. The caddy, you work for my company. Um, but Alex and I were talking about off the air before the show even started that um, I, I agree with that. The caddy uh, brings the golfer some comfortability where you can go out there and you can only just talk to him. Now, you do have friends on the tour, other players, but when you're playing against a guy, you in your you're in your mindset where i got to hit my shot, hit this shot, but you have that caddy. And I thought early in Tiger's career, that uh, Stevie Williams helped him with putts and stuff like that. But as Tiger went on, uh, Tiger started reading his own putts. But the thing about it is the comfort level is with his outside life. You know, we never heard, I never heard, I should say, Stevie said, well, Tiger's in Vegas doing this or Tiger's doing that. Uh, He was loyal in a sense in that way. But I kind of give the uh, Tiger, I I could give Tiger the benefit of doubt when he said, it's time to move on. Not that Steve was a bad caddy. I need to change a lot of things around in my life to get back to where I was. And not that Steve was the problem, but I need to get rid of all those things that was associated with me when I was doing wrong. Uh, and and he probably would have won multiple majors, multiple uh, 72 victories, 14 majors. He probably would have still been able to do those things. And, and But I think the caddy kept him out a great deal with his comfort level. You want to have a guy on your side or walking with you, Amongst hundreds, thousands of people uh, every day for four days, but you got a guy right here that makes you feel comfortable, that trusts in your shot. Stevie has to watch Tiger practice. He has to see what the fire iron does. He has to see what a wedge does. Uh, the creativity Tiger has. If he's behind a tree, he can say, "You, t- you can get that." Not that you Tiger was, but I know you do this in practice. You can make this shot. So, I, I, I'm kind of in Tiger sense. You, you should be able to move on. I should be able to leave the Cleveland. Uh, Cavaliers. I should be able to leave them, go to Miami. Tiger, I should be able to go get another caddy. Just how it goes about could be the problem. Right. right. And, and yeah. I was I was just about to say he he LeBron him. I mean that's pretty <laughs> much what he did. He didn't do it in front of, you know, millions of people, but he it what it made it seem like was he went up and he goes, I don't need you anymore. I want to go do my own thing. Or maybe not I don't need you, but I need to cut my life completely separate from what was happening before and I need to completely start over and you know, here here's a severance package. You're welcome for the money I made you, and I'm out. Nah, a million. He's the yeah. highest paid caddy ever, right? Right, I, I would but imagine. But he, so. he has to deal yeah. with Tiger. He's I mean, a, Tiger. I'm sure is not an easy person to work for. And I I will agree with that. I will agree with that. You do have to deal with 
every athlete has an ego. If you don't, you're not pretty. You're not good at all. You got to have an ego to yourself, not towards anyone else. You got to have an ego and a confidence level where you can go out there and get the job done. Just like on game day, Rob talked about in drilling. You can be the best player out there if you want to, but if you go out there flat, you gonna get you gonna get punished. Right. So, so I, I do believe he had to put up with Tiger. Well, and nobody has a bigger ego than Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. And look at Tiger's track record, though, when it comes to uh, kind of his circle, his inner circle, and his support staff. Okay, uh, you know, Stevie Williams asked if he could go and, and caddy for <laughs> for Adam Scott. That's you know, that's pretty much asking to be fired right there. Okay, and Tiger reluctantly said yes. Okay, go ahead. But you know, once you do that, if you uh, go, and, don't come back. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so that happened. Well, let's let's look back to some old relationships with Tiger Woods, his first caddy, Fluff, okay? Yeah. After, after Tiger won uh, the Masters, Fluff started getting uh, some exposure. He started getting uh, a commercial where he's coming out of a, a, a suitcase. I'll never forget that commercial. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I'm sitting there saying, this is a guy's a caddy. This I've never, I've never heard of him before. But all of a sudden, he's starting to get in the limelight. I don't think Tiger liked that. I don't think he liked Butch Harmon getting more and more popular and getting out there. Hank Haney. Hank yeah, Haney. He a TV show. Yeah. Tiger likes his inner circle to be around him and to be quiet. And yeah, that, and I think true. and I just and that's the bad thing about him. He does have the biggest ego out on tour because if I'm in your circle, you should be. I am getting all this notoriety from being what Tiger was, but you should be. There should be no problem that somebody want to give me a commercial because I am a product of you. Not as long as the commercial doesn't downgrade you or show you in a bad light or anything. But it's about me. But you're right, Rob. This is a caddy. This is a caddy. I think when Tiger Woods stopped first uh, started going bad because uh, he's. I think he's dissociated himself with Barkley, uh, Jordan, guys he used to hang out, guys he thought he was a mentor, and maybe they are. And this is, uh, you know, this is not fact from coming from me, but I see a lot of interviews where uh, Barkley doesn't know what's going on, uh, what happens Tiger wouldn't return his calls. Right, he thought right. he was a friend or, you know, you can always call a friend and talk to him. friend doesn't have to say a word, just listen. And you just sometimes need somebody to listen. But when Tiger started going bad, I believe it was when his father passed away. When his dad sure. passed away, it was just him. His mother was out there on tour, but she she was always in the background. Every time he finished around, his dad was right there. So I thought when, when he lost his dad, and I'm not making an excuse for this guy because he did some stuff that was it was uh, monumental. It, he did some things that were crazy. But when his dad left, he started falling off. He started doing different things. And maybe he was doing that while his dad was there, but now the emotions start coming out. The uh, his life became more public because we know he's a private person, uh, and 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 that's and that's what Tiger, in my opinion. Fell off. Yeah, I mean, and that was his. That was his moral compass. Like ever since he was three years old, ever since he gave him a golf club first, I mean, he has been the son in his life. Like he taught him everything except for um, giving him no social skills whatsoever. Seemingly, when he was younger, I mean, he was a robot that was born to play golf, and or he was taught to play golf, and and that was it. And yeah, when when he passed away, it definitely caused some problems. Yeah, and I think to some extent, Stevie Williams. Uh, almost filled that void once his father passed away. He almost became yeah. almost became like that, that that almost that that father figure or that that moral compass um, that he could look to and and try to emulate. And say, hey, look, he's got a great family life. He's a great uh, father. He's a great husband. Uh, you know, it, obviously, it didn't quite <laughs> well <laughs> didn't well, quite we work out. Allegedly, but I, yeah. but I think he looked at Stevie in that vein, and and I think he was. 
he was hurt when yeah. when when Stevie uh, decided to go and and work for another golfer. Uh, but I think Stevie was also hurt uh, in that he was kind of lumped into um, Tiger's behavior uh, through association and kept quiet. He kept quiet, but I think a lot of his family members, I think a lot of his friends thought that maybe he knew more than he actually did in terms of what was actually going on behind the scenes. And maybe he did. I don't know. But he, but he says he didn't know. Um, I would guess he did. As being one of, being in the, one of, having one of the best caddies, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, one of the best golfers in the world, uh, being with him all that time, it's, you can't hide a whole lot of stuff for somebody who's with you day in and day out, week in and week out, I should say. Uh, you can't hide a lot of stuff. So his family is probably putting probably putting the pressure on him, saying, "You know more than you." Have. But he's loyal. He said he was loyal to the guy. Right. Uh, he could come out with about three books if he I wanted to. I was going to say he wrote a he could write a trilogy. Yeah, he about could, Tiger. He, exactly. He could come out with three books and tell it all. But you know that will show you class. Because Phil Mickelson said, "I'm glad I have a classic caddy in Bones." Um, and he said, and, and then I understand when I saw the interview, and he said, "I meet 27 times." He became bigger than the. Uh, the golfer Adam Scott took away from the golfer of Adam Scott win. Yeah, Adam first uh, WGC championship. You don't take away from a guy who's who's paying you. He kind of took on Tiger's ego because he was in the light so much more. Phil Mickelson is a very he's a very family oriented guy. He is a prolific golfer. He's he's made hundreds of millions of dollars, but his family and his girl little girls come first no matter what. There's never been a question about infidelity with him. You know he went through that whole thing with his wife with breast cancer, and I think his mom had it too. Like back to back, or his yeah, wife's it, mom did. It, both of them did. Yeah. So I mean, he's always been family oriented. Golf second, and that's probably why he's fallen off recently because some things are more important than golf and making money. And he's kind of so. I think his his caddy is kind of adapted to that, where it, you're not in the public eye as much as Tiger is, and as much as Stevie is. So it's well, it's a little bit easier to be. A it, it's a lot easier being a family man. If you if you got your priorities in order, it, it's a lot easier. Phil Mickelson did what he was supposed to do, and he did the right thing, in my opinion. Uh, you you got to take care of the people that's right there next to you, like his wife, his mother. You got you you have to do that, or the golfing and stuff is not gonna matter in the end right. anyway. So uh, Phil Mickelson is a different. His game went downhill for some real reasons. Tiger went down. He went down for some selfish reasons. So and and that's where the two of those guys are different. Yeah, just think of this though. Uh, you know, you win a, a golf tournament by four shots, and you're not even. Uh, that's one of the hardest things to do is to win a professional golf tournament and a major a four major days. tournament. Uh, the 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 GC uh, WGC mm-hmm. uh, Accenture four by four strokes, and you're not even. They're they're ch- chanting your uh, caddy's name going down the 18th green. I think Adam Scott handled it well in his interview. Absolutely. But he's behind the scene. He's got to be chapped. Oh, and yeah. how long do you think Stevie Williams has got to be on that bag? I mean, right. I I would be shocked if Adam Scott allowed that to continue on. No, his Adam Scott's the one hit the shot. Adam Scott even said, "Well, he helped me here and there. He didn't really help him. He was going out there to play that game. What better guy to have when you're bag than Stevie Williams, who won there seven times before? But when you get you, if you watch the final, walking up to 18, you'll watch Adam Scott start falling to the background because they were chanting Stevie, Stevie." For all the reasons to even to make a great story, even to say, uh, good for you, Tiger's in the field, you guys beat Tiger. Uh, and I say you guys, but Stevie think it was all him. But to to walk in front of your golfer like that with, with, a, with a swag, he had a swag on. You got to see it again. He had that swagger walking in front of him. You give all that credit to Adam Scott. Stevie talked 
more about Stevie than he talked about Adam Scott. Adam Scott talked about, oh, that's good. I don't have to talk about Tiger anymore. So you guys pumping it up. But at, behind the scenes, I think he will be dealt with. Absolutely. I mean, and it's always easy when you get a new coach. When you when, when you get when, when yeah when you get a new coach, it's always you, you get that you get that adrenaline like oh something new something exciting I'll perform better like you just perform better. And it'll be interesting to see what happens six months from now if he still is caddy, if he's still winning. Six months? I don't even know. What's go- he does oh, that no, again? I, I think it'll last. No, 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 no. If he, he does that he got a freebie. He got a freebie. Yeah, that was your free uh, one. There's uh, one. We'll uh, take a, uh, let's take a break. Yeah. We'll take a break, and we'll finish off with that. But I do want to talk some football. There's a lot of football to be talked about. Hey, this is Kwame Sports Talk. Alex in the studio. We got Rob Ferguson here. He dropped by. He say he's a 9-5 to five guy, but we shall see. He's <laughs> got a lot of power, man. It makes me feel like that. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you think that all of the generic financial information you get every day is hard to navigate? You need to tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook. Every weekend, Andreas Duffy will help you filter out this information and turn it into wisdom that you can really use. Be informed about the financial decisions you're about to make instead of just blindly making decisions. Andre's connections in the business and professional sports world will help you so you don't need to worry about your financial success. Tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Foreman, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. There you go. Mark is getting off today. Welcome back to the Formula Sports Talk. We're live in the studio. You can call in 888-346-9144. You got any questions or comments? Also, check out the fan page on the Facebook. Uh, I will be giving away some guests, uh, some free gifts, which will be a Energy Force bracelet. I'm always having my Energy Force bracelet on. If you see me without mine, I'll buy yours. How about that? Or you can win it just by answering a trivia question. Simple as that. Ask me a question. I want one. Okay. <laughs> Who caddied for Adam Scott before Stevie? Yes. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> hey, let's let's finish up on... Uh, that's we, and that's how it should be. <laughs> you shouldn't know. You shouldn't know. <laughs> exactly. So I should win, right? You lost. I gave you the answer you wanted. You lost. But it, check out the fan page, like I said. <laughs> Look, we talked. Let's finish up on uh, because we were talking about golf and and we barely said a whole lot. Well, the the main focus was on Stevie and Adam Scott, mostly Stevie. Uh, but the reason we're talking about this is because this guy came from Tiger Woods, and it was a, it's a lot of conflict on how they separated. Um, you know, if you, if, Rob, if I ask you, can I date your uh, ex girlfriend? You saying yeah, but why would you do that? 
that's what kind of happens uh, to this relationship, Stevie. Now, or maybe it's your girlfriend. You say, can I go hang out with them? Yeah, you can go, but don't come back. And I think that's the relationship. So we'll finish up with that. I do want to talk some football. Rob, you, you are, have you been up to Flagstaff yet? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, I'm planning on going in a week or two. But Take your golf clubs. I certainly will. Well, we'll set up Forest Highland. <laughs> we'll, we'll go to Forest Highland. We'll go up there to, you'll go up there to work. I'll go up there and wait till you finish. No, it's, <laughs> it's not work. You know, it, it's pretty hard to evaluate talent when they're running around with flags sticking out of their hip pockets. Uh, and that's, a, that's basically what training camp has, has come to. And, and I'm not saying that as, as I'm mad or as if, as if I'm upset. No, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I, I, <laughs> jealous is the right word. Jealous yeah. is the right word. I, I mean, you can play three more years. And, and Kwame, you remember this, too. You were on the team with me. Uh, Vince Tobin, uh, and, and I'm sure there's, there's other coaches. I, I have some experiences as well with the Raiders. But Vince Tobin, I remember my first year, I think it was 99, uh, with the Cardinals, 14 straight days in pads, <laughs> in pads. full pads, both practices. Uh, you know, it's maddening. It's it's crazy to think uh, what effects that has on uh, on our brains, and you're starting to see it now uh, with with these things uh, coming out with the with all the concussions and, and the post uh, playing career. What 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 the long term effects are? So yeah, I'm jealous of the kind of training camps they have now. I think jealous is the right word. I, I don't know if I could be mad or, or upset. I think yeah, jealous. I, I might have played three more years minus two more two surgeries minus a concussion here or there uh but i like how they have it structured now they, they running around in shorts maybe a helmet maybe shells which are not shoulder pads you still get shoulder hurt but they run around like this now these guys have energy to play on sundays they can go full speed 14 days and pass i don't know how you expect me to go full speed when i i done jammed all my fingers up uh, i got a strained knee do you think that um this is the NFL's ploy to not have to... Well, I mean, it all comes down to money with the NFL, right? In, in one way or another. So if they don't have to... If they don't make the players practice tw- two days or, or practice as much with pads, they won't uh, incur those many injuries, which means they won't have to pay them later on down the road. I, I mean, is that is that... Totally out of the realm of possibility for this. No, because they don't care about the players, do they? I mean, right? The no, no, it's, it's not. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I might, I might have a little bit bigger of a conspiracy theory on this. I think it was a not a big deal for the owners to give this to the players in the in the grand scheme of things. I don't think the owners care whether they're in pads or, or right. shells or shorts <laughs> as long as they perform on Sunday. Right. I don't think they care. Uh, another thing that I think, though, is, is one, one of the underlying reasons for this, and this is my conspiracy theory, is I think they're trying to get out ahead of this whole concussion long-term uh, situation with the players and with the retired players. I think they're trying to do something proactively uh, to try and say, hey, look, we were proactive here. We we were uh, had the players' health and long term con- uh, health concerns in mind when we went to this. This is why we did it. Yeah, it only took forty years for them to do it, right? Exactly. Well, they didn't do it until uh, some of this data came out, and some of these uh, the uh, old school guys came out with concussions. They couldn't even think straight, and they were like fifty-five. When you got forty-year-olds and forty-five-year-olds offing themselves like crazy in yeah. in crazy numbers, and then you look at their brains uh, post mortem, and you're you're finding evidence. Uh, that these guys have the brains of 85-year-olds with with early onset of Alzheimer's. Yeah, there there there's there is something there, and 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 I think the NFL uh, is trying to get out ahead of it, and right. it's it's CYA to the tenth power. And I and I I bring up Dave Dorison with with the utmost respect. 
Uh, but I think this guy was instrumental in what he did. He and you mentioned Rob, and that's what that's what I started thinking about Dave Dorison. Uh, guys offering themselves, um, guys having a man. You can go to uh, D- uh, Waters, D- Dirty Waters, to play for Philadelphia. Yeah, Andre, Andre Waters. Andre Waters. His his brain was like seventy five years old. This guy was forty four years old. Uh, but what Dave Dorison did, he wrote. He left a letter. He left a lot of information. He left his he left his uh, instructions to the doctor. Check my brain out because he wasn't right. And I I've just seen the guy or talked to the guy or, or his assistant actually, uh, probably a, a year before that. And he takes himself. Most people, when they're trying to kill themselves, they take pills and get away. Uh, or they shoot themselves in the head. Well, he shot himself in his chest uh, and then wanted everybody to look at his brain and see what the effects of a concussion was having. He was a physical guy. He was a physical guy. And I don't see, and I agree, Rob, with the owners. Who cares if you practice in show? I don't care if you practice at all. On Sunday, you better perform so I'm still the number one sports, uh, uh, number one sports in the country, in the world. And which is football, and these guys have on helmets. That's why they don't like, in my opinion, and I'm a conspiracy too, they don't like guys who go out there and market themselves. I'm going to find you if I see Ocho Cinco on your jersey and you haven't changed your name yet. It's fun. These guys are marketing themselves for after football, but I could care less if you uh, practice in shorts and stuff. But when you get on Sundays, it's a physical game altogether. You're going to get, you're going to have head to head, and I did not agree at all with the head-to-head contact because as a defensive player, I got fined for head-to-head contact because I knocked the guy out. It was uh, Steve Bush. We, I went to When I went to San Diego, he ducked his head. I was already zeroed in on his chest. He saw me at the final second, ducked his head, so he has a concussion for two weeks. I get fined $7,500 for the first incident. Uh, so I didn't agree with that at all when these guys were hitting his head, and, and the owners could care less. They're trying to protect themselves for the next CBA or next five years into this. But what all they really care about is the uh, millions of dollars they're going to get off the TV revenue, mm-hmm. the millions of dollars they can get for selling this game to other venues. They make $8 million before they even kick the ball off. Before somebody even kicked the ball, they don't make $8 million. Yeah. It, it, you know, in theory, it makes sense head to head contact when, when someone's defenseless. It makes sense in theory, but in practice, uh, it, it's a different story. Uh, you can't, as you alluded to, Kwame, you can't change the position of your attack, change the position of your head in a split second like that. Now, maybe if you're five yards away, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can definitely change where I'm oh, going. Yeah. And, and I'm finding a guy who hits head-to-head. Yeah, uh, you can definitely do that. But when it's a bam-bang play, uh, it's nearly impossible to know where uh, the, the defenseless player's head is going to be. Right. Uh, he's moving his head as well. So uh, that that's definitely a challenge. When you get when you talk about, uh, though, the practices now and training camp and the, and the move away from contact, uh, it makes the job of the coaches that much more difficult because it's harder for them uh, to to see how plays are going to work in a real live simulated situation. It's harder for them to uh, gauge the ability of of some of these players, uh, you know, outside of of the preseason games. It puts a bigger onus, I think, on the evaluation staff on on your scouting department to not miss to get the 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 college players right and and that that's going to prove out i think in the coming years the the scouting department uh and the player personnel people it's going to be a bigger role going forward you're going to have to find the right scout i'll let you go alex but you're going to have to right find the right scouts who you believe in uh alluding to what you're saying because a lot of the times i've talked to scouts i've heard scouts say but we did our work on this guy this guy they didn't even consider him in the draft. 
So you have these guys going out there um, in vain for the most, most sometimes, but now you have to really, really trust who you hired as a scout because if this guy can do play the way we want him to play without us hitting in practice every day, then this is the guy we want. Right. I know, I agree. I mean, because the last time you're going to see your recruit play is at the latest the middle of January. That's it. And then until August, all you have are are the uh, mini camps and, and everything like that. And, I mean, at least it's an even playing field. Everybody gets uh, practices cut. So everybody's going to have to f- formulate some sort of plan to make, to make th- uh, some sort of simulation to see what you're going to get on the playing field on Sundays. Well, I, I think the players love this. I, oh, you got I, to. I, I love it for them. Hundred percent. The players love this. Uh, it, what's going to happen is is the personnel department and the coaching staff have to be on the same page, Absolutely. and they haven't traditionally always been on the same page. You know, the scouts fall in love with a certain type of player. Right. Uh, he's got certain measurables. He, he he shows up on tape. He does this and that. Uh, and coaches might have uh, you know an idea of what they want, but it but it's not necessarily uh, you know uh, the same is what the personnel department wants. And that's going to be a huge thing. Because you have that coach who's the GM also, then he's going to have the final say, obviously. But you have to be on the same page. You you definitely have to be on the same page to get that right guy here. If I'm a scout, I'm looking at the practice. I'm looking at the defense. I'm talking to the defense coordinator, offensive coordinator. What are we running? I'm not going to just go out and look for guys who can't fit in our system. You see a lot of guys in college that come into the pros, and you're like, this guy in college, he he was a Heisman or a Jim Thorpe finalist. Gets into the pros and you, we never hear about him. We never see him because he doesn't fit into this system. Find the guys who fits into your system where they can play and they can come in and play fast. You have to learn that book real quick. You have to do that. So you, uh, I agree what they have to be on the same page because we got to get the right guys in here for this defense. Not because he played defense well on his college team or is he just an athlete and can play anywhere and, and put a position. Corners may be easy. You, yeah. may, you make him deal, get a corner. We got about a minute, 30 seconds left in his break. Arizona Cardinals, how are these guys going to do this year? And we'll get into this in the last segment. Well, I, I think right now, you know, with, with, with getting Kevin Cobb, uh, I think that solidifies, at least to some extent, the offense. Um, I, I really see them right now as being uh, one of the best teams in the worst division in football. I, I really think they have a great opportunity. They had an opportunity last year yeah. with, with their quarterback Still. situation Still. towards towards the end of the year, even as bad as they were. So I think they've they've improved themselves, and I think they have a great opportunity. I do want to talk about the Cardinals when we come back, since we're here in Arizona, but I, I do want to go around and play, talk a little football, whatever you guys have. Uh, we'll be back in about a minute and a half. Uh, it's Formula Sports. We'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Don't. Now we talk. Don't. Hey. Arms. 888-346-9144. If you want to call in, this is my sexy voice, Rob. You're the last segment. It's a ladies' man. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Barry, I feel like I'm here with Barry White in the studio. I just don't have my Cavassier. Uh, <laughs> not that I drink it anymore. <laughs> not that I cool down like that anymore, Rob. But, oh. uh, uh, hey, we were talking about the Cardinals. We, we can talk about the Cardinals in this division there in NFC West, which 79 won it last year. And, and I thought Seattle Seahawks had no chance of beating the Cardinals ever. Uh, but they did what they were supposed to do in 79. 79 had the home field advantage. The New Orleans Saints came there and lost. Nobody expected that loss. I didn't expect that loss. I, I know Seattle's a tough place to play. We played there plenty of times. Uh, but Seattle and Drew Brees and uh, New Orleans Saints, I, I didn't expect that to happen. They played. The whole team for the entire time had some adrenaline that took them from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. And they beat one of the best teams that most had in the Super Bowl, most had in the NFC Championship game. Uh, but the Cardinals, their quarterback, you ask who their backups are, Beanie Wells, Alex, who the, the guy they drafted from Virginia Tech, Williams. And, Rob, you there, uh, you've done more research on these guys than we have. Uh, so I look for the Cardinals to win this uh, NFC West in probably by two games. They still have to play San Fran. They still have to deal with the uh, – a lot of guys made moves. A lot of teams made moves as far as free agency, who to get, who they got in. Some of them seem suspect, but they are. They upgraded their team, but they didn't upgrade them enough. To, I don't, in my opinion, to beat the Cardinals. Yeah, you know, I, I like St. Louis and what they're doing with that team. I, I really like their youth, um, and they're they're a very good defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they have a, a good opportunity in this division. San Francisco, I think, has bettered themselves automatically with the addition of Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there there's still some issues and, and question marks uh, with regard to their quarterback, quarterback position. So that being said, you know, I think the Cardinals have a great opportunity here. I think I think they it's really theirs to lose with the addition of Kevin Cobb. Um, I, there's still some question marks with the Cardinals, though, in some key areas. I think nose tackle, uh, number one, is is a, a question mark for him. Not not with necessarily with Dan Williams. I, I think he, in December, I thought he did really well uh, last season. But in terms of depth, mm-hmm. I don't think they have a lot of depth there at that position. And playing a 3-4, as you know, that that nose tackle position, that, that's, that's the position that you need to get a push. You need to have everything kind of revolves around that position because you're expecting great pass rush from the outside, and that's also going to be a question mark, I think, for the Cardinals. Can they get that outside pass rush that they never got last year? Right, and that 3-4, that nose tackle. I know uh, in San Diego uh, was Jason Williams, the nose tackle. He made the off-defense run because he wasn't selfish. Uh, you got to have a, a guy who's in that position who's not selfish but can hold two guys where those uh, linebackers are able to come off the come off the edge. You can't have those defensive backs covering on though. Although they had some pretty good defensive backs in Quentin Jammer, uh, Cromartie, and Cromartie, but you can't have them covering all day. 
So that 3-4 and the Cardinals going playing the 3-4 this year um, is huge depending on who that nose tackle is. Do you think um, I, I, we were talking last week about getting um, the uh, the uh, Steelers uh, DB coach as their defensive coordinator? You think that's Patrick Peterson? I mean, could you get a better guy to come in to help him as in his rookie year? You, you I mean, know, I, I think I think it's a great addition to this coaching staff, and I think uh, Ken Wisenhunt uh, from day one has tried to bring that culture, that mentality, that Pittsburgh right. blue collar Midwestern mentality out here to Phoenix, and to some extent, to a large extent, he's been successful. I think he's tried to bring players from Pittsburgh and coaches from that from that system out here, and, and you can see it. You can see the, the the change in mentality, the change in the culture with the Arizona Cardinals. He's taken this team to the Super Bowl. He's taken this team to the playoffs. Um, so I, I think it was a great hire. Uh, whether or not it will bear fruit uh, is, is yet to be determined sure. uh, because there's, there's a lot of different faces out there right. that he's going to have. In a short amount of time, too. In a yeah. short amount of time. Right. No, you know, they, they didn't have the full offseason. They weren't able to meet uh, with these guys every day and watch film and give them the playbook and tutor them and, and do that classroom work that's so behind the scenes, yet it's so important. Yeah. Um, these guys, you know, these, these rookies, they, they're, they're really – rookies are behind the eight ball to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, but they're – really fighting it uphill now. Sure. And I thought uh, when uh, Wizard Hunt came in, that was the one thing I saw change was the, the discipline uh, from Denny Green's uh, era, his tenure here. But he brought that discipline. He brought that Pittsburgh mentality of uh, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to play ball. And he did get them to playoff. Now the fans around here, they are expecting the playoffs every year. But sometimes you won't have that down years. It's still the building process for this guy. And uh, I think he's putting the right pieces uh, to the puzzle in place. Uh, but I, my, one of my concerns was, is Russ Grimm going to be able to get that offensive line to be more? You got Kevin Cobb, man. You're not giving this guy $60 million to throw from his back. Mm-hmm. So that offensive line was more of my concern. Now with the 3-4, uh, you got a guy like Adrian Wilson now, um, Pro Bowl guy, uh, great team leader, great team player. Uh, you got this guy out uh, now. So if you can, if that number two guy has the mentality that Wizard Hunt is trying to install, that he has to come in and not let the team down. Not that he will, but not have that same mentality that everybody else have. You're not the second string guy. You're just the next guy. That's right. You know, and I think one of the the key things to this Ken Wisnant era with the with the Arizona Cardinals has been uh, position by position. There's competition. Uh, they, they have like. they, they have great depth uh, team wise. Uh, where in the past years past, I mean, I look back to even when we were playing Kwame. Uh, there right after the start. It fell off significantly mm-hmm. in a lot of key positions. There wasn't that depth, and what you have is you have it now with this team. And so, uh, when one guy goes down uh, at most positions, the next guy coming in, he's you're right. He's not looked at as the second string guy. He's looked at as as the next guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's and I, I definitely agree. When we were playing, the guys who uh, come in, they bring free agencies in, uh, free agents in. Uh, so our defensive back, I was always trying to help these guys with the playbook, teach them. I'm like. This is bigger than me. When if I go down, uh, you have to come in, and not let the team down. So I didn't have a problem with teaching guys defenses, even though they came in making five years, twenty five, fifty million. Yeah. I didn't have a problem teaching these guys the defense because it was bigger uh, than me. It was it's more of a team thing, and I think Wizen Hunt has done an outstanding job with that. Yeah. Okay.
You know, and 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 I think, look, hey, it's a it's football. It's exciting. We're we're, we're all geared up for the season. There's a lot of positions that that I'm I'm actually excited to see. Uh, you you mentioned the offensive line. I'm excited to see how they perform. Uh, you know, because I think a couple years ago, Kurt Warner made up for a multitude of sins, a multitude of issues on that offensive mm-hmm. line. He yeah. was able to read the defense, yeah. to read the open Quickly. receiver, and get yeah. rid of the ball uh-huh. quick. Yeah. We saw last year without him. There it was. It, it was a, a fraction of a second slower. Uh, the the quarterback's reads, and uh, you know when you're barely hanging on as an offensive line for maybe two seconds, <laughs> you know. And the running game was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> running game was terrible. The offensive line got exposed. Yeah. And, and will Russ Grimm be able to get these guys uh, on the right page? All of them have to be on the right page. I, there were some issues last year with with some young guys, Brandon Keith, uh, maybe initially not knowing uh, what to do. The, the communication wasn't there. Hopefully they're on the same page and they're able to protect Kevin Cobb because if they can't... Then uh, that's, a, that's a waste of giving up Cromarty and that's a waste of uh, bringing this guy in for the amount of money and not being able to protect him. Now I wanted to talk about Tim Tebow but that probably take a second so let's just say I talked about Tim Tebow. <laughs> let's just, let's, but let me ask you guys, we're in two minutes left. What you guys package up what the NFL did uh, these final, uh, final weeks where you got maybe four, seven to 14 days to get your free agency in, sign your free free agencies. It made it exciting for football because I'm excited to watch football this year and really get the uh, that direct stuff, the NFL Network, to watch all the games. I'm excited about that, um, but only because it was a it was a haste to get it done. And, and quickly, uh, would you guys package that up if you were the NFL? Say, now, I know you probably can't do it because of CBA. Now you only have 14 days to get everything done. I mean, there was, uh, but really quick, there, was, there was a lot of stuff that was talked about, obviously, within the teams. This is who we want. This is how much we can afford. If we can't get this guy, let's get this guy. You know there was a lot of stuff that went on uh, away from, away from the, the scene. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, you have, when it says ready, go, they don't want to push back that start time. They were upset that they missed that Hall of Fame game. Right. Because the football, they want to do what they want to do. Hall of Fame game, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, a lot of money. Yeah. Free, ag- free agency traditionally is a feeding frenzy at the start, and then it's kind of a slow drip. What I thought this this did, it, it, it had to. It, they had no other choice, but it it condensed it and made it all a feeding frenzy uh, for free agency. And I kind of liked it. I don't know if they can do something similar going forward, but uh, for me, it was exciting. It was topical, yeah. and, yeah, it was and, awesome. it, and it was uh, you know, it was. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm excited to watch football. Alex and I would like to thank Rob French for stopping by. Uh, before he goes to work. <laughs> hey, but uh, listen to Rob on the pregame, uh, postgame, and the halftime show. What is it on, 620? 620 a.m. 620 a.m. Yep. Listen to that during the game. He does a great job. As you can hear now, he does a great job on the air. Uh, but uh, definitely check him out. I'll be at uh, Coaching Willie's in on Arizona Avenue, cool down, um, on Sundays. I'm jealous. For the overtime. So come on through. Hey, this is Quarmalot Sports Talk. We'd like to thank you. Check out the fan page. We're giving away energy force braces. And Amon, great job on the music. That's three in a row. I was thinking about firing you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.